Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey. No chill, pray now. Hello, Andy. Good morning. Good morning. How, go- how goes it in the city of angels? It's okay. You know, it's good to be back for a few days now. Um, the, the road, man, when, when you haven't been on the road for a while... The road kind of wears you down. I was feeling a little sick when I got back. I'm feeling, feeling a little tired. Yesterday, I hung with our boy, Andy Lazarus, Dennis Gubbins, went over to Penmar, played around at golf. Just, you know, just back to, to L.A. relaxing lifestyle. Is, and, there, uh, is there still a fence up in Penmar? There is still a fence. The homeless are gone. I know, but, but, but that is, I, I want to describe this to people. When I saw it, when I was in town, um, you know, six weeks ago, it's wild that they have, a, they have a, like a mile long fence where the homeless used to encamp by the golf course to prevent them from encamping. Well, there was always a fence there, I think before and after, I mean, there wasn't, it wasn't just golf course to street. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that fence. When I was in town, there was a fence where they were. Oh, but like, right. To take it all the way out to the street. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's like an additional. I don't know. Fence. I don't know if that's still there. Not on the, not on the golf course side, maybe on that other thing where they had them blocked off. Yeah. The, you know, that that's what they do here in LA. They move them to one place. Who knows where they are now? They're ruining somebody else's shit, but you know, I keep, I, I keep tabs. I keep tabs of course on Venice. You know, it was such a part of my life. Um, it's it's sad, man. It really is. Like like that's the word I would I would use to describe it. Just like I was reading the article in the L.A. Times of uh, what they're proposing, and it's just. I'll tell you something that's wild that I just saw yesterday for the first time because I went down to Abikini for the first time forever. The brig is gone. Oh no! Yeah, not that you ever went to the brig. You no, were anti, you were anti Abikini. I, well, hold on a it's second. Like three feet from your apartment, you're like, I don't go to Abbott Kinney. Well, I was more, I was more in, in what I called like the grime, the grime and grit. I enjoyed the people watching the craziness of the boardwalk and Pacific Avenue. And Abbott Kinney was definitely pretty bougie, but I have some fond memories of the brig. In fact, my first full summer in Venice, I met a, uh, a cougar. I don't know if that's still a term we use, but I met a cougar. They used to do music night on Tuesday. Tuesday music. The, the, there was a band that was at Tuesday music forever. That was so good. They so I met, yeah, I met a lovely lady and she, uh, she was like my summer fling taking me back summer 2008. She was like, I don't know, like 11 or 12 years older than me. And she was fun. And like, we, we had our thing all summer I met her at the brig. So, so for that reason, you know, that was my a first special place in your heart. Yeah. That was my first summer in Venice. And uh, yeah, she was, she was cool. What was her name? I think it was Rachel, but uh, 
she worked in the industry. I think she was in uh, editing or producing, but she, the, the thing I remember about her, she had a really annoying dog though. Like the dog would go nuts when we were having sex. And that was very distracting. Didn't like that. You know, what's crazy. She lived in Marina del Rey, which is just all been demolished and is now high rise condos and apartments. Yeah. So where she used to live, Again, this is 2008. You wouldn't even recognize. It was basically older apartments and <laughs> parking lots. <laughs> Man, you gotta start wearing a you gotta start wearing a mask. Nothing to do with COVID. You just wear that mask to prevent spread of germs. Yeah. Ugh. So we're back. Here we are. Yeah, I, I, I did my Costco run yesterday. That was the first nice. time I. I the first time without a mask in there and uh wow yeah are they doing free samples no still not doing that it's interesting how they're doing no free samples and also no the food you still have to order on a touch screen so they're still limiting interactions and they still got the big glass like i gotta hold up my card to a glass thing for them to scan it but no masks if you've been vaccinated okay so here we are, man. We're we're moving we're moving along. I think we're uh, like I said, we're getting there. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to have. Maybe I will uh, go on a date eventually. But like I told you before the show, I got my hands full. I got I got to check the weather when I can cut the grass. Battling a broken fridge off and on. Welcome to my life. Your dad is somewhere watching you going like, yeah, I did all that stuff and I worked and raised five children. Oh, my God. I know. I know. You're like, you're like, listen, I have a lawn. I know. It it really puts in perspective how pathetic I am as a human being. Trust me. Actually, I, I, I no lie. I don't know if this was divine intervention from Walt today because the fridge was fixed about a month ago and it wasn't working this morning. And I just started cooking and I was like, I don't have time for this. I got to do the show and it's going to fuck up my whole day. Cause I just went to Costco last night and I'm not going to let all this food go bad. So I literally said out loud, I said, throw me a bone, dad. I unplugged the fridge, plugged it back in. And like five minutes later, it started <laughs> kicking on. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know like if, if I know your dad, he'd be like, fuck you, Andy, figure it out. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 uh, I totally agree. Well, we have a lot of sports to get to on today's show and the NBA playoffs are rocking and rolling. And you talked about it last episode, the new guard is coming out strong, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is, we, we talked about last episode, but I think this is a combo of, of a couple of things. I think this is generally what happens and it happens, you know, over the course of, Usually, I would say two to three seasons. You see a shifting when when a when one generation goes and the next generation kind of slides in. Um, and I feel like it's happened in fast forward combination of the the bubble last year, the shortened off season this year, all that stuff. Uh, I think just put it in the hyperspeed, and now we see. I mean, not that these young stars, not that Donovan Mitchell hasn't had big games in the playoffs already. Um, not that, you know, obviously the Suns aren't led by a veteran in CP3. Um, but 
when you look around the league right now, it, it isn't usually, it's usually a little bit more balanced and then suddenly it kind of flips and it's, it's almost, it's like, it's like uh, you're growing your hair out. It's like, you don't even notice it kind of happens so slow, but it really does feel like from last year, from a veteran, you know, heat team with, with Butler, uh, the LeBron Lakers, like those two, those two guys leading their teams to the finals to this year where we're left with essentially, you know, the Nets, the Clippers, and the and the youngins. It's pretty it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And I think it's pretty enjoyable to see, to watch. Um man, the Suns, I'll tell you what. I, I think that they got the what about the nut boost. That I mean that girl, we said it last episode. Well, They're, I think that the Suns have the Suns have this irrational confidence that is has happened in, in multiple levels. So last year they're they make the bubble like end of the season, but they don't make the playoffs. But they dominate in the bubble. Sure. They get this irrational confidence because they win these bubble games that they're a good team. Obviously they have young players coming into their own whatever, but I really think that bubble at the end of last year where they, you know, go whatever it is, whatever their record was, some absurd record gives them this irrational confidence going into this year. Then they add CP three, which leads to what I, what, you know, I don't, no one predicted the Suns is the two seed in the West. I think they rolled on an irrational confidence from 10 games in the bubble, added a good player, turned it into a great season. Then, you know, what I said about, this Suns Lakers matchup going into the postseason, I said, listen, everybody's kind of saying, you know, can the Lakers do it? Can the Lakers do it? And, and, and I said exactly what I thought was going to happen. Obviously I was wrong, but I was like, the Lakers get through the Suns. I think it gives them this confidence. Well, if we can beat this two seed, we can beat anybody. What happened, I think is the reverse, which is the Suns take, the irrational confidence of the bubble, the irrational confidence of the two seed season. Now they beat the Lakers hurt or not. They beat the defending champs. They beat LeBron. They've got this. What about the nut? You know, they're, they're catching head from every they caught head from the bubble. They caught head from the regular <laughs> season. They caught head from the fucking first round. Yeah. They're like it really last night's game, the two games in a row, basically, it really does have, I'm going to say it again, the, a 2011 Mavs feel where they they feel so good about themselves that they're just like, why don't we just beat everybody by 25 points? Yeah, and, and the energy, I don't know. For me, watching those first two games, I just feel an energy not only with their team, with that arena. Oh, and yeah. Everybody's amped and everybody's well, They just turned. happen to have air conditioning. Sure. They come inside. There's 140. They've changed their underwear, and they and they get they get fucking loud. Yeah, I I, I really do. I just think they're like you guys have bottled water and air conditioning. Yeah, they're playing. They get in there. They have two Mick Ultras, and they're immediately wasted because they're fucking dehydrated. Yeah, it's crazy because you're right. They're rolling, and I don't know. You you, you know Denver obviously played very well without Jamal Murray, but it was brought up on last night's broadcast 
is that finally catching up? Because there's only so much. We saw it with Luca. Now we're seeing it with uh, the Joker. There's only so much one guy can do. You need help. And what I said about the the Nuggets. So the thing about Chris Paul that I, I mean, Chris Paul's a great player. He's always been a great player. But the thing about Chris Paul, and you kind of saw it in game one, it's not my favorite version of Chris Paul where Chris Paul goes into takeover mode. It's like you're still a 6-1 guard. You know, yeah, sometimes when you're feeling yourself. But I, I've, I've seen plenty of days where Chris Paul dribbles to the elbow and takes an irrational two-point shot. It's like even if it goes in, you know, it's just, it's just like a reckless thing. Now, in game one, he went into takeover mode for a minute, and it was awesome. That being said, what I said I liked about this Nuggets team was the whole thing is run, run around a facilitator. A facilitator first, the MVP, a guy who's going to find everybody, a guy who can get everybody going. And it, it's actually, I mean, obviously Chris Paul has been a great facilitator in his career. But last night going, what did he go, 16? He had 15 assists and no turnovers. That's the stat that's important. Great stat. 15 assists and no turnovers. And that's precisely what I'm talking about. A team where one guy is making it his focus to get every single person involved. And when you have this 2011 Mavs irrational confidence, every single person who's catching the ball thinks I can make every shot. That's that's kind of the name of the game. Because in the end, there, everybody here is in the NBA. You know, that's why you talk about like that Lakers team. And I go, they just have to hit their shots. And you're all in the NBA. You're supposed to hit your shots. And once, once kind of everybody gets that feeling like we're in the NBA, we're supposed to hit our shots. And everybody makes 40% of their threes. It's difficult to beat a team like that, no matter who they are. Yeah. I think we're headed towards... Which is crazy. A Nets, a Nets Suns final. Well, no, I was going to say, I think we're headed towards the top two seeds in each conference, which I don't think a lot of people saw. Yeah. The, the top four seeds in the NBA, I think, is what's going to be the finals for each conference. But the Suns, I, mean, I man, think, I think the, the Sixers uh, Hawks series is still very much up for grabs. Sure. I, I agree, but I, but that, that's my prediction right now. Now you alluded to it. Joker wins his MVP and, and it, it's, it's pretty remarkable for Jokic to win that, you know, as he's, he's the first ever second round pick. He's the lowest drafted pick. It's awesome to ever become the MVP. It's a amazing story. You got to love it. And he really does. He really does just dominate the game. You know, him and Luca are very similar. Obviously they're both white dudes, you know, from Eastern Europe and how they dominate. It's crazy to watch because it's not, this is my take. It's not like the, wow, that dude's insanely athletic. How, it's, it's the skill that they do it with and they know the foot movement and they know ball placement and they know angles. And it's just, it, it's a thing of beauty to watch. And it's tempo, you know, that's the, that's something that where you go back to uh, Steve Nash and yes, yeah, Steve, Steve Nash is a freak athlete by human standards, but by sure. NBA standards, he's not the fastest. He doesn't jump the highest. He doesn't whatever, but where he was always a freak was 
the soccer style passing, not afraid to pass the ball backwards, not afraid to go past the goal to then change directions. And it's the tempo that these guys use. Like sometimes when you stop and everybody else keeps moving, like good things happen. Like the whole idea in, in the past of like driving, kick, driving, kick, driving, kick. It was like, that was your idea of a point guard. And, and these days, the ball doesn't have to be facilitated by a point guard because you can just get the ball to a guy like, for example, Jokic on the high block and let everything happen around him. And his awareness of, of just like the, you know, school of fish mentality of how people are all going to move separately, but together and finding the guy who's open, finding the guy who's the most open, finding the guy who's not open, but the guy next to him's about to be like, that's why, you know, today's NBA to me is like worlds heads and shoulders above, you know, the past because the skip passes, the hockey passes, all that, like we're getting open shots for guys that were like more open than ever before. Yeah. And, and it's awesome. And it's, it's, it's so great to watch. Yeah. And, and, and the argument to kind of piggyback what you're saying is guys aren't more open now than ever before because of a lack of defense. I would argue, I would argue what you're saying is that the skill level on the skip passes on the angles on finding a fluid offense is just better than it's ever been. Yeah. Listen, always in the NBA, like there's always players basically on every single team that if you leave them one-on-one, meaning if you, you know, if you let somebody guard them, but also you're not doing help. Like if, if you have five guys standing on the perimeter and so you just have one guy in front of you, just about every NBA team, has a guy who's like, well, you, you aren't going to stop me getting around you getting to the basket. Take, let's take, you know, let's pick a random, like my next Julius Randall, like Julius Randall will score on you 70% of the time. If you just let him have the ball on the wing and no, absolutely no help, you know, no one, you know, no one's stepping into his lane, no one, you know, whatever, every team has that. So part of defending the ball is you have to let guys creep away on the backside, which in the NBA in, in the past, in the Michael Jordan era, in the Kobe Bryant era, it's like those guys are just standing there on the opposite side of the floor and they're never going to get the ball. And we, you would see the, the old NBA swing it to this guy, swing it to that guy, swing it to that guy. Hope you get a shot off in time. Now these skip passes where you're throwing it from one side of the floor across the guy creeping to a guy who's basically wide open it's just the technique and the skill and the strength that it takes to make these passes are just unbelievable. And some of these guys make it with such touch, Jokic, Luca, LeBron, like the t- Harden, the touch on some of these passes, but like with the speed is remarkable. Yeah. I'm going to play a call about Jokic so we can weigh in on where he's at and winning the MVP. Hey, what's up, fellas? This is Ju. Uh, I want to talk about Jokic winning this MVP. Um, obviously, by the looks of him, he is the most unorthodox, uncommon guy you would ever look at and think that this dude is the NBA MVP, and especially in 2021 when he's surrounded by physical specimens. Um, 
So with that being said, is he possibly the greatest athlete in the world? Um, he's obviously, you know, seven foot tall, whatever, but he's not just some physical fucking specimen. He is true. He's just 100% skilled. Um, so wondering what you guys think about that, just him being, I mean, he looks like he's like works at like the Seattle fish place or whatever. Um, and he's fucking the best player in the NBA. All right, later. So he cut out right before he said something about, is he the seven foot? Did he say like the most skilled seven footer of all time? Is that what he's asking or? Oh, did that, did it, did it cut out it, on you? It cut out just for a second. Sorry. Um, he's basically asking, is he the best athlete in the NBA? Which to me, that that's just such an opinion question. Like, like, yeah, there's so many ways you can answer that. I, I would say that the difference between athlete, like, you know, again, the the like Russell Westbrook's probably the best athlete in the NBA. You know, LeBron James uh, in his prime is probably the best athlete in the NBA. I think the the word athlete, you know, I think of if I just tomorrow said, "Hey, you're going to run the decathlon, and then I'm going to try you at ten different sports. Who's going to hold up the best? Uh, you know, in all of them. That's what I think of athlete now." the reason I assumed what he said when he cut out to me was, is he the most skilled? Because I think that's the thing. He's obviously a great athlete. You have to be a great athlete to be in the NBA. Sure. He doesn't get off the ground on his shots. He doesn't get off, like, he, which is a set shot. That's what I'm saying. Like, which begs the question that you have to ask, what is an athlete? Like, is an athlete a guy who can jump or you make a good point is an athlete, a guy who can still make it work without jumping you know i think it's kind of and that's that's my point i think you have to be incredibly skilled to be in the nba you have to be incredibly athletic to be in the nba but i think the greatest players in and in the nba and in nba history are combinations of great skill and great athleticism and you know that's where you get a guy like lebron a freak athlete but incredibly skilled incredibly skilled as a passer incredibly skilled you know around the hoop um like I would say Jokic is more skilled than he is athletic. If I had to, you know, if, if you were doing a balance, I'd say he's 70% skill and 30% athleticism. Um, he might, he's up there with one of the most skilled big men of all time. He was, he's up there with one of the most skilled seven footers in history. He might be, you know, he, he's up there with probably as far as skilled seven footers ever go. Like we're talking about Kevin Durant. We're talking about Dirk. Like, there's not a ton of other guys who are in height that are that skilled. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. I would say, from my opinion, even you know, the caller saying it's more athletic. Again, I think this is just opinion based, which is fine. There's no way, there's no tangible measurement for this. I would agree with you and say it's skill. Like when I think athlete, I you just could think, think like combine drills. Yeah, I like think like how fast do you how fast do you run? How high do you jump? How you you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When I think athlete, I think of guys a lot of times that weren't even that good, but they just say, "Oh, they were freak athletes." Yeah, right. And then there's guys who, like you're saying, who are maybe more skilled. Like, like if you put, and that's a great that's a great example you're saying. Like if you put Russell Westbrook and Doncic and you know Jokic and some of these guys, and you put them running 
certain tests, like the 40 yard dash, the vertical jump, the high jump. It's like, he's going to crush that. And, and, and I would argue that's just natural athletic ability. And, and basketball is, there's a lot of basketball, just like every sport. There's a lot of it. That's skill. You yeah. Know? Uh, Deshaun Watson uh, at 12 years old was a better athlete than Tom Brady has been for any second that he was on the planet earth. But Tom Brady's a more skilled quarterback. Wait, why you got to do that? I got, I got, we got to throw a little shade at my boy. I'm just saying like, I mean, like there it's a, you know, every game, every sport has, it's a combination of skill and athleticism, sure. you know? I mean, even you look at golf, right? Everybody would agree. Golf is probably a 97% skill game. Yeah. But Tiger Woods came along and he was pretty athletic for a golfer. And, you know, you put those two together and you're the greatest golfer of all time. Or whatever. Yeah. Like that's the, that's kind of the name of the game. And that, that's where LeBron, that's why LeBron is my goat. You know, he's, a, he's exceptionally athletic and skilled. Yeah. All I, in that, one pack. Exactly. Those are the greats. The, the greats are, Aaron Rodgers is another example. He's extremely yeah. athletic Mahomes. and he's extremely exactly Patrick Mahomes. It's Mike the guy, It's the guys who have it both and display it. And I think it's obvious. I mean, you look, I mean, even look at baseball right now. Jacob deGrom is essentially learning his skill on the job, but he has crazy athleticism l- learning the skill winning Cy Young's while still learning to pitch, getting to the point at 32 or whatever, however old he is, where he's just now figuring out the skill portion of it, put that on top of his freakish athleticism. And you have the greatest pitching pitcher we've seen in, you know, the last century. Yeah. Well, let's move on to some other series and we'll stick in the West right now. The jazz go off in the second half. Donovan Mitchell goes off, I should say. Love it. You got to love it. Speaking of the Mets, Mets fan, former Mets, uh, you know, exec son. You love to see it. I'm a Donovan Mitchell fan. I didn't know that. Yeah. His his dad is like the head of player development or head of whatever. He's like big in the Mets system, was a ball player. That's why he's a big Mets fan. Tweets about the Mets all the time. Yeah, so I believe they were down nine or ten, and then he just took over that game, and they won, and now they're up 1-0, and I think we all agree this is going to be a hard-fought series. Rudy Gobert wins the Defensive Player of the Year also, third out of four years. He's now just the fourth player ever. That's a fun fact, to win three. The others are, let's see if I can name them, Dwight Howard, Ben Wallace, and Dikembe Mutombo. So... So he he's to be honest, he's kind of etching himself in, you know, some some history with that. And I think we we agree, right? This is gonna be a great series. I think I think this thing's gonna go six or seven. I think it, yeah, I think it will. Although, you know, I I think the the jazz getting game one is huge. Um, you know, we talk about the irrational confidence. I mean, the Clippers come off winning that game seven. They have to play right away. They roll in, you know, uh I wouldn't have been surprised if they won game one. Now they had, they certainly had control over for a while, but I think, I think the jazz getting game one is huge. It gives it to me. It gives them the edge on the series going forward. If I had to bet on the series right now, I'd bet on the jazz simply on that game one win. Um, 
And also, listen, Kawhi played great. Paul George did not play great. But, you know, we're still talking about these supposedly superb wing defenders who, like, and also a coach in Ty Lue, I just don't understand how the defensive strategy on Donovan Mitchell is we're going to put one of these guys on him. Then they're going to pick from him for him. And we're, and, and the jazz literally go, listen, we're going to come up the floor. Whoever Luke Kennard is guarding. We're going to set a pick with his guy on Donovan Mitchell and get Donovan Mitchell on Luke Kennard and let him just torch Luke Kennard. You got to have a better strategy than that. You got to see this coming. You got to see it coming because it happened for an entire half of basketball. Yeah. Where is Kawhi saying, I'm going to guard him and I'm going to go through the pick. I'm not, we're not switching. I'm the goat wing defender. I'm bringing Paul George with me. Another great wing defender. Like it just, to me, go to, to me for the jazz to have this strategy of, we're going to come up the floor with Donovan Mitchell and whoever Luke Kennard's guarding, we're going to use him in a pick, you know, in a pick switch. But guys, it didn't, it didn't like, I, I just, I watch that game going like the whole world sees this. How does Ty Lue not have a strategy here? He's busy. You know, I've said, I've said this for years. He's busy doing Ty Lue fit. Watch Ty Lue during the games. He's got the, yeah, his mouth is always open. And by the way, I'm not rooting for the Clippers, but I'm also just like, I'm just like, this is, it's kind of sad to watch. It gives me, kind of gives me uh, calves with LeBron flashbacks where you're just like, God, you're getting, you're just getting absolutely taken advantage of. Yeah. You have two supposedly great wing defenders and you can't get them on the one guy who's taking you apart because you start him on that guy. Like, it's just so crazy. I feel also... The Dwayne Wade, when he bought a minority ownership and it wasn't announced, it was just announced in April. I feel like that really flew under the radar or did I just miss that of the jazz? Yeah. I mean, I think it flew because yeah, it was, I think it's a minority ownership. Yeah. But I think, I think it flew under the radar. I, I you know, it's obviously, I, I, th- I think there's a bump there. I don't know. I mean, I know it's so minor, but you know, he's sitting courtside with Gabrielle. There Yoon. was, there was a, uh, there was a couple moments where, where Donovan Mitchell did the split the double team go to the like Dwayne Wade the D, the D Wade specialty move and I was like well that's kind of fun that yeah. he's there and he's he's going with like one of his signature moves yeah um what's what's smaller here's a good question for you here's an interesting one what is smaller Dwayne Wade's ownership stake in the Jazz or the per- what's a smaller percentage i should say that or the percentage of african americans living in utah mm. it's going to be i'm going to go with utah so i just looked it up there's 2% of african american descent living in utah wow so that's insane it is pretty insane how small that is right yeah 2% <laughs> i mean you we've both been to i've been to utah a bunch yeah makes sense if you've been there yeah it is holy white i I stand by my claim though now were you saying it's holy white or it's holy white it's like white or both i guess holy white like holy shit holy white 
I I stand by my claim that Utah might be the most underappreciated from a beauty standpoint state. And I would I would put New Mexico up there as well. Two states that don't Idaho. get don't get yeah, don't get oh, I feel like Idaho's getting more of that now, but don't get the recognition for their natural beauty that they should get. I mean, I mean Utah, there's parts of Utah where you think when you're driving through, am I in the Grand Canyon? It yeah. it looks like that. But you know, I agree with everything you're saying. It's fun to watch Mitchell go off. And I hate to say it, but Clipper's gonna clipper. Now, are we gonna do it at all? Are we gonna are we gonna get in? I mean, did you see Tripoli and I went back and forth? I did not. We went back and forth on Twitter. By the way, the bag of bets has now come up multiple times and like from Tripoli, from other people, people sliding into my DMs. I don't know. Do you like I know there was a Kobe thing that we that that I stepped in and was like, we're not um, for my sake. I'm not letting him do that. Do you have to like shove a hot dog up your ass or something? Like where, where did, where did this get left? There was some, there's been talk of like frozen I, I, hot dog. I'm I, like, what? So, something like that. And something like I'm supposed to wear Sam's pubes. It's like, dude, I live in Cincinnati. I, you live on Mars. Like, how is this logistically <laughs> yeah. going to happen? Anyway, he called me out and I was like, bro, I haven't been on your show. In- Wait, he called, he unsolicited because of last episode. No, 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 no. I, for, first of all, I, I threw this up on Twitter. Is this up on Twitter? Yeah, I threw the first hand grenade because okay. Kawhi, Kawhi deferred to fucking Morris for the last shot. I was like, where's that killer instinct? Just, just giving the ball up game on the line, giving the ball up. And then he came at me all fucking, you know, angry, oh. like, you know, the quote he, tweets and the yeah, whatever. Well, yeah. Well, he deleted, I can't read any Joe. He deleted all the tweets. I'm looking at your Twitter. He deleted all the tweets. I can't even read them. He's hilarious. So his handle is now Fat Dragon Pro. Right. <laughs> at Fat Dragon Pro on Twitter. Yeah. So I guess he deleted all the because you know he does the quote tweet. Um. So by the way, that's an interesting move when people do that. Yeah. The people who do the quote tweet, they want everybody to see it. He wants the the one thousand one hundred people who have followed him to his thirtieth unsuspended Twitter account to to see. But yeah, he's taking shots at Dirty Sports and also saying, "When are you guys going to pay the bag of bets?" And I said to him, "I was like, bro, I haven't been on your show in five years since I undressed you about LeBron and Michael, and you ran out of the room screaming." So I'm just going to assume you're talking about Andy. Um, but I mean, I went at him because I mean. Here's the thing. Again, I'm always about, well, since we, since you guys love to do this before, let's, let's do it. Let's play the game. Let's play the, the shitty talking head, uh, Twitter sports guy for all the Twitter sports guys out there. Kawhi Leonard has the ball game on the line. One guy on him gives it up to, you know, whichever one of the fucking Morris brothers is standing in the corner with no time left on the clock. Where's the killer instinct? Where's that fucking killer attitude? Where's where's the I'm getting a bucket? I'm Kawhi Leonard. And also, do you remember the big argument when we went to thing was like if LeBron was the man, he'd guard Kevin Durant. Yes. In the NBA finals. Luke Kennard is guarding Donovan Mitchell. You guys are just letting Donovan Mitchell torch you because neither of your wing defenders will fight through a pick to stop him. And then your so-called 
you know, modern goat is deferring to one of the Morris brothers at the buzzer. Kawhi can have all the game he wants, but like, geez, this is where we're at. Yeah. And look, I love Kawhi. This sounds like this is more of just a issue of you calling out Tripoli. Well, and also just people on the internet in general who would, oh, Michael would never, Kawhi would, Kawhi's a killer. Kawhi would never do that. LeBron passing. And first of all, LeBron's never once in the history of at least his playoff career had the ball at the buzzer and passed it to somebody fully guarded who then got blocked. He got yeah. shit pounded out of bounds. Now LeBron will start going toward the basket and give it to a wide open Kyle Korver who has a fucking, you know, 20 foot circle around him. All he has to do is hit a wide open empty gym jumper for a game winner. He's not, he's not just fucking panic passing to one of the Morris brothers pinned in the corner by the defense three time defensive player of the year. I'm a little disappointed. Not going to lie. He deleted these. I, I was hoping to read these. Oh, just angry. Like the first one was so angry. Oh, it was great. And shout out to, to Jesus who came in with like, so, cause he was, he was ragging on dirty sports. No one cares about dirty sports. Dirty sports is trash. And Jesus was like, so I assume, I assume they're going to be having their rock fin deal soon. And Sam was literally like, I already offered to him, but like LeBron, they quit or something like that. And it's like, wait, wait, wait a second. So triple so we're trash, but you desperately want us to be in your fucking that's what I'm saying. pyramid scheme. That's what I'm saying. Hold on. So, so Sam, you're talking basketball with him. If I understand, he makes it personal about the show, right? Even though he had just, talk to us about going on his platform <laughs> like like the irony yeah. was that his that's crypto, why he was his crypto pyramid scheme where he's i'm sure you know pickpocketing podcasters for crypto money look i like sam i don't yeah i don't know about all that uh i told him we, we weren't interested nothing personal but uh let's be honest he wasn't watching the game anyway yeah that's the other thing that's why he gets so angry. So many emojis, so much yelling. I was like, <laughs> tell me you didn't watch without telling me you didn't watch. Uh, well, on the Eastern side, the Eastern. But I also did that because, you know, somebody I just asked about it last episode. They're like, what's with the beef? I'm like, oh, you guys like the Tripoli beef? We can ignite the Tripoli beef. Just got to find his latest burner. Well, you Who's know, had more Twitter accounts at this point, Barry McCockner or Sam Tripoli? And are they the same person? (laughs) Have they ever been the same room together? It would be so Sam for him to like have a, have a burner account. That's like a super LeBron stand. He's like, I'm playing both sides. Yeah, dude. I've realized how tough it is now. Now that I'm such an old man, you know, I'm going to be 40 at the end of the year. These East Eastern standard time games, man. I'm I find like these games are great at the end. That game, I'm dozing off. You know, my bedtime right now is about around midnight. Like, I'm dozing off. I'm both on Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday. I'm falling asleep during games. You know, like, that's, that's to me, that's like the suburban life dad move. You're falling asleep on the couch. The game's on. You want to watch it. You know it's a good game. Um, 
So that that's my that's my only my only qualm I have is is the time difference. But luckily, the East Coast games, I'm not going to have sleep issues with that. But the Bucks are going to like I said, the Clippers are going to Clipper. This is playoff Bucks. And and I want to pose this question. I was thinking about this. Giannis is a two-time MVP, Joe. Yeah. Last year, he won the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Giannis is great. There's no denying his greatness. But I'm going to ask this question. Is he the man? Because I think you could make an argument that he can't take them at this point He's not going to be the guy taking them to the finals. He's not because we, we, we've, we've talked about like, like, like Luca and we were both seem to agree last episode, the torch has been passed to Luca and you even need it with Luca or you see it with Luca that, that he needs help. But my point is it's not like they've surrounded Giannis with dog shit talent. Is he the man? Well, I think the question of the man is, you know, often confused with like, the shot maker, the closer, the whatever, but here's, and that's, and I think that we've seen very recently and in over the last couple of seasons that like, he's not going to be, you can't give him the ball at the top of the key at the end of the game and be like, go get a shot. And that's fine. Um, I don't necessarily think your best player has to be your best shot maker. The problem with this Bucks team right now is they're supposed to be, he's, he's a, a, the reigning defensive player of the year until yesterday. He, they're supposed to be a great defensive team. I cannot believe that Harden goes down and the, and they can't stop the nets. Forget stop the nets. They okay. can't slow the nets down. They're getting destroyed. They're getting lit up. And that I think is a bigger issue than like, this when when this when that happens to the Nets when they go when Harden goes down the Bucks attitude's got to be let's win this series ugly let's let's stop Kevin Durant let's make Kyrie have to beat us let's make Kyrie make a bunch of shots let's make Kyrie facilitate the offense because he's not great at that I mean I I I, I old takes exposed myself twice. I thought that that was going to be, this is again, to me, I think Budenholzer is kind of embarrassing himself. To me, I think this is more on coaching than anything. How do you not strategize when Harden goes down? Let's make this the ugliest series of all time. Now we have two ISO type of players. Let's just fuck up those guys. And if Joe Harris is going to beat us and all these other guys are going to be fine, fine. Let, let them. But the idea of not just being like, we are going to clamp Kevin Durant, which by the way, I know is a very difficult, it's easier said than done. Kevin Durant's probably the greatest shot maker in the history of the game. But to not say, let's put all the focus on, on making his life miserable and turning this into, okay, Kyrie run this, offense they didn't they have they have put zero defensive pressure on them the nets are running this series the nets are deciding the pace the nets are deciding everything about this 
and I don't have a dog in this fight. Obviously, like I have it's, uh, you know, it's a win win for me. You don't want to see the super teams that all sign together. I certainly like Harden's probably my favorite of those three guys. Uh, you, you hate to see Kyrie having success, but also at the same time, listen, my 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 two boys are responsible for, you know, the squad, you know, Dan Tony and his protege are, are running the whole thing. I root for those guys. I want to see, you know, it all proof that, you know, his offense has been the thing the whole time, the whole league's running it. Like I, I, I feel, you know, I feel a great amount of disrespect to my Italian brother that's happened over the years. So you love to see it, but you know, just from a wanting to see good basketball game standpoint, it just seems insane to me. Forget Giannis's ability to take over games. Forget not having another guy that shows up and becomes a scoring guy. Forget that. Forget it. My issue is you're not stopping them. Make this ugly. And they're not, they're not making they're they're getting blown out. Yeah. I mean, these games aren't even close. And you brought up coaching a hundred percent. He's fired if they lose this series. And you know, some would argue, Oh, he's getting out coached by a first year, but like, we all know, listen, there's a brain trust that's happening on the other sideline. And we all know that. And you know, I'll, I'll fight to the death for my boy, but just like you're supposed to be the defensive team. You're supposed to have one of the defensive guys, you know, yeah. the defensive alphas in the league. And you can't stop them defensively. Like, I don't really care that that Giannis isn't going for 40 and 12 and 10 every night. You can't be giving up 125 points. Exactly. Yeah. You I mean, have playing to be playing simple. 90 point series. It's the, exactly. It's the playoffs. You can't be giving up 125 points, especially without James Harden. It really is unexcusable. Now, listen, do they have great skilled offensive players? Yes. Is Harden out? Yes. Do you still have two of the greatest skilled offensive players in the league? Yeah. Do you have a great offensive coaching staff? Yes. Do you have great surrounding players? Yes. But the idea, and I have said it the whole time. I said, I don't, I still don't love now, I didn't know it would be a Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni situation, but I didn't love the Kyrie. I would have taken the pair of, you know, Harden and Durant first. I'd have taken, you know, maybe Harden and, yeah, I mean, Durant's got to be in the mix. But, like, you don't, you know, taking Harden out of it, it's just like it changes their offense and you haven't, done anything to you haven't you haven't made any adjustment whatsoever to go oh now they can't do this so yeah. let's attack that it's just to me it's it's a full-on coaching debacle and and i think that the i think the nets like every mike d'antoni team ever goes we're, we don't you know we're not even worried about what you're doing we're just going to score a bunch of points i think this and, is a five game series and you have to stop us. And so many times other teams have been like, we will stop you. Now what? Now what's the second part of your plan? Yeah. And You know, uh, the, those D'Antoni offenses for his for historically, he goes, no, we don't have a second part of the plan. And that could be part of, you know, the criticism over the years, but it's like, we believe we can outscore everybody. And right now they're proving it right. But like, again, they have incredible offensive talent, but I put this more on the, the box just not like you have to be better defensively. So I think it'll go five. I think it's going to be that quick. I think the bucks are favorites to win tonight. 
I think they lose again. I think they take game four and then the Nets close it out and home. <coughs> I just think that they are getting dominated. These games aren't close. Well, I love the Ruther curse coming into play and us getting a seven game series out of this. Now I, I, I want good basketball, but like, I got to say, I was on the nets all year and I get off the nets on Harden and I'm just like, well, you just can't, you know, they just can't be as good without him. And they're better because the box, like, bro, the bucks are taking a dump in their pants. Worst coaching performance of the playoffs so far is a toss up between Ty Lue and fucking Budenholzer. But this is what they do. That's and my I point. Guess, and I guess Tibbs. This is what they do, though. This, yeah. this is this is not new for Milwaukee. This is what they do every year in the playoffs. But they take a dump. My thing is, I want, I think a fine question, I think a fine place to be if you're this Bucs team is to get to a point where we have to answer that question about Giannis. Do, can he be the alpha on a championship team? And that's why I posed that question. But my, I would say that that's we, we're that's not even a question we need to asking at this point because we're not like they're off at who like they're not going to score 130 points a game. Well, but look, it's 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 a tough to me. It's a tough situation. I think that's like the next level. First, you got to fucking guard anybody, and then we'll get to the point of is he alpha enough? Right now, that's not even in play. Because they're not competing, they're getting just they're just getting boat raced out of games because they can't stop the Nets defensively. I think it is well for me. It is in play. That's why I asked the question. It's you know again a two time MVP who isn't sniffing the finals, and how long are we going to do this? And what pieces does he need around him? And now that he signed that deal, he's going to be there a minute. Yeah. So they have to completely recalibrate. Okay. The Sixers, Hawks were at 1-1. And Beat has had two great games. Sixers obviously took control after a tough game one loss. And uh, it seems that, you know, they're, they're just going to make Ben Simmons – Use his big body and play some defense, which he's great at. Yep. I mean, I and, think, you know, again, this is where we talk coaching. You have to get, you know, the when the Hawks are getting the um, fucking God, why am I blanking? What's our, what's our dude's name? Trey Young. Trey Young. I almost said Trey Burke, and I'm like, it's not Trey Burke. Trey Burke haunts my dreams for other reasons. Trey Young. Uh, when you let him orchestrate everything, when you let the game move at his speed, when you let him be in charge of the whole tempo, that plays into what the Hawks want to do. When he's turning the ball over, the basically the complete opposite of the Chris Paul game, when he's turning the ball over a lot, that's exact. you want that dire, you want that panic that comes with his casualness with the ball, him turning the ball over, him giving you easy baskets, the way the way he's turning the ball over on the perimeter, it, it comes down again. Like I think that's where you know Doc Rivers has definitely been always a good defensive coach. I think where Doc Rivers really struggles is in these close games, having a play out of a timeout, having a play down the stretch, you know, winning close games, not 
not losing motivation when you're up big, but like, that's what they need to do. And that's what this entire series comes down to besides obviously the health of Embiid and if Embiid can keep it, if Embiid's going to be, if Embiid's going to keep playing like this, being a star, being healthy, then the whole series comes down to, you know, getting Trey young off of his game of I'm going to run the, the tempo of this entire game. I'm going to run the refs. I'm going to, I'm going to set the tone on the ticky tack fouls and the, stopping and letting guys run into my back and all that. If he's not orchestrating the tempo of the game, the Hawks are in trouble. So that's what this whole series is going to come down to. And I think that there's a better chance of the Sixers doing it than there is of the Hawks figuring that out. But again, the health of Embiid is a huge issue. And I think just, you know, Doc Rivers, you know, kind of outsmarting himself in a, once you get to the three wins, but I think this is going to be a seven-game series, and I got the Sixers in seven, provided the health is all there. Yeah. Well, what, what do you think of Ben Simmons at this point? I mean, I think like I just you know you know you watch these games, and you just say, how is he not? Do we do this every year? How has he not developed an offensive game? I mean, he's got an offensive game. He just doesn't have a jump shot. And that at but, this point, but is, I mean, that's my point, right? Dude, but listen, 2021 listen, NBA, you need a jump shot, but listen, look how long it took Rondo. Look how long it took kid. Rondo was like, not the number one overall pick. I understand. Kid was up there, you know, um, kid also was drafted in the nineties, man, like mid nineties. Like this is a different era. I just, I think, I think the thing with Ben Simmons is, He's he's definitely a good NBA player. I'd argue he's a, a a better than good NBA player. But you know, you just he's just he's not going to be something he's not going to develop his game in one day. Now we can talk about why hasn't it developed so far, but like on a day-to-day basis, it's like Ben Simmons is what he is. We might see a leap one off-season. We might see a late career you know, figuring out the jump shot thing. We might see whatever, but like he's valuable. Sure. And he is a good, he's a great defender and he's, you know, great in transition and whatever. Like he's, he could be, he could be the starting point guard on a championship team, but he can't be the best player on a championship team. And, you know, just because he's the number one overall pick doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be, you know, but I think it's, you know, people, people talk about like Lonzo ball being a bust. like Lonzo ball is pretty good, but he's a bust because he was the number two, like Lonzo ball can't be the best player on a championship team. And he never will be. Yeah. But I'd argue Jason Kidd, you know, was never the best player on a championship team when he was the best player on a team. You know, they were, they got I, to the finals, but yeah, I dude, I would, I would argue, I'd argue against that. I mean, I, I would argue Jason Kidd was more valuable. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Like, but I'm just saying, especially when he took the nets to the final, I, I just look, he's only going to be 25 in July. He's still young, but this is his fourth season starting minus the one injury season. So 
He's at four. I, I just like, dude, how has your game not developed? You're I mean, gr- first of all, I think his game has developed, but I just don't think it's where people think it should be for the number one pick. And I would say again, yeah, he's 25. But it's going to take an offseason leap. It's not going to be. He's not going to figure it out tomorrow. Yeah. You know what he needs. You know what he needs to develop his game. But that being said, listen, four years in the league, right, with Embiid and him and trust the process and all that. Like, if they're in the Eastern Conference Finals this year, process worked, right? Sure. The number one overall picks were was worth it, and the Embiid pick was worth like it all. I I got I got a recommendation for Ben Simmons to develop his game. He needs to develop that jump shot. He needs to get a case of Miller Lite. I agree. And every time he drinks one, you know he can spread it out, of course, which is what I recommend. And do what you used to do when you had a leg injury, and and he crushes the Miller Lite can, and he shoots it. Maybe use the the back of a door as the backboard, and he works on his jump shot, you know, his left-handed jump shot with a cold, empty Miller Lite can. I'm I'm all for this. I mean, I think we know. Uh, I think we know that you know that golden pilsner, just like running through your bloodstream, getting a little residue on your hands. Yeah, it, it it's gonna it's gonna help. I think Ben Simmons should absolutely do that. It's probably you know. Probably on some Australian stuff from being from down under. Yeah. Embrace America. Yeah. Embrace America's finest Pilsner. Yeah. And and from what, from my vantage point, I would assume the Sixers fans, they seem like a, like a good group of fans. They embrace the original light beer, Miller light, which has been giving great taste to all of us since 1975. Such an easy choice. Dirtballs, so next time you're getting beers with friends, make it Miller time. Luckily, you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Or go to MillerLite.com forward slash dirty sports to find delivery options near you. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. So if you need to get some Miller Lite, no matter where you're located, just pull up your phone, computer, your iPad, whatever, and just go to MillerLight.com forward slash dirty sports to find delivery options near you. Okay, let's discuss some baseball. Let's do it. And, you know, this is a recurring conversation that we're going to keep having, but I, I just, you know, there's just... I don't know a sport, and I was thinking about this, of the major sports, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, the four major American sports. I don't know a sport where there's this much ongoing questions consistently over decades about the ball that the sport uses. Think about it. Of course, we have questions in football, right, Joe, about was that a catch? And that stupid thing is going on forever and penalties and illegal hits and review deflation. Sure. But that was that was one incidence. I'm saying we, we have this problem still with baseball, whether the balls were juiced, whether they were tampered by Major League Baseball, whether they're putting humidifiers, whether pitchers were 
doctoring the balls. I, I, you can't think you can't name another sport. And here we are. This conversation is not ending. And your boy, Pete Alonzo weighed in on it recently. Did you see this? I did. And now his conspiracy theory. And by the way, I, you know, you and I seem like guys who are always willing to entertain any conspiracy theories. His conspiracy theory is that they manipulate the ball depending on the free agency of that class, which is a whole other in- interesting theory. So uh, let me just say, first of all, that I'm going to repeat some things that I said on the, d- the dirty slides that went out uh, late last night. And so if you want a little bit more in depth, obviously we talked about this, I would say probably the first 25 minutes, half hour of the show is the ball, the Garrett Cole thing, you know, uh, the Pete Alonzo comments, the DeGrom comments, uh, you know, the comments about DeGrom, et cetera, et cetera. So a little bit more in depth, just a plug there. You can get Andy Laz's and I's in-depth take on this. But um, what we for sure settled on, which is um, Pete Alonzo is a third-year MLB player. And he is presenting this theory as a fact. That's what he says in his quote. He, he is presenting this as a fact. There is something that's happening in uh, Mets land right now, which, by the way, the, the, you know, the, the golden age of the Mets is upon us. The Wilpons are gone. Cohen's in. The, it's, the, it's, you know, the pitcher of the millennia. Uh, the guy's winning. They're, they're winning games with the B team. Kevin Pillar is coming back and hitting two home runs last last night after being murdered a few weeks ago. Like there's this, let's talk about the irrational confidence. We go back to the Suns. There's an irrational confidence with the Mets right now. And what I will say is Pete Alonzo presenting this as fact to me says, this is something apparently everybody knows, but we're not going to say it ever but now we're in this weird irrational confidence zone of the Mets where they feel like they're the big swinging dicks and they've got to De- Grom and they can not say anything and they've got Cohen. And so now everybody's just kind of like getting loose, getting a little loose with their words, getting a little loose with their actions. The fact that he presented this as a fact to me says like the third year big leaguer that is Pete Alonzo didn't construct this. This is something that somebody else has told him and somebody else has been like, look at this. This is the way it is. Here's the deal. So I'm a hundred percent bought into this theory and it fits. I mean, remember a couple of years ago, we were talking about um, the pitchers dominating and, uh, and, and it was the seams are higher. They can get more grip. They can get more spin. They can get whatever. Then the Verlander year, he's saying the balls are juiced. The idea that it keeps flipping back and forth, back and forth, dead ball era, juice ball era, steroids, pitching substances, blah, blah, blah. It There is for sure, it seems like, if you consider this, if you consider that there's the stability, like the foreign substance thing, at this point, we all have understood. This has been going on for 100 years plus. It's been going sure. on for as long as baseball existed, guys have been using something to get on their hands and blah, blah. So we're only talking about this now because all the offensive numbers are down and 
half of the guys who are top 10 in hitting aren't hitting over 300. So we're talking about it because we're, everybody's trying to look into why are the num- why is pitching so dominant? Why are the numbers? so? Dominant? Oh, maybe it's this. And Pete Alonso saying, guys, this has been happening the whole time. Even during yeah. the juiced, juiced ball era, guys were fucking with the ball. So that's not what it is. It's this. It's that this is what Major League Baseball does. You know, Trevor Story and all these other shortstops and uh, these guys are all due for new contracts and we're trying to protect the ownership's pockets. We're going to dead in the ball. We're going to, you know, raise the seams. We're going to do whatever. And then the year Verlander and all these guys are due for Doe and Garrett Cole and DeGrom. We're going to fucking juice the ball. It told like follow the money is the ultimate conspiracy, you know, catchphrase. So I, I a hundred percent buy into this theory. Well, you know, you know, baseball, that's why I brought up the other sports. It's a constant problem. And, and it leaves me with the look on my face that I have right now. Just bafflement of wh- why do you allow this to happen year in and year out and decade after decade? It's this is the equivalent. You wait, you wait too long is what they're doing. They're waiting too long. The equivalent to me is taking care of a car, right? There's a reason they say, hey, change your oil. It used to be every 3,000 miles. Now the newer cars, it's about every 5,000, right? Change your oil. These are the standards, you know, for any sort of maintenance on your car. When you buy a new car or you lease a new car, right? They have, you, they have guidelines of standards, now, if you follow standards, you keep the car in fine shape, i.e. baseball. Now, when you wait till the last minute, then everything else goes haywire. And to me, that's what's happening with baseball is that they wait with steroids. They let it happen forever. They let the car. Yeah, they don't wait to promote it. Yeah. They, they're, they're reckless. They, they, don't, they don't take the steps they need to take, and then they act like it's all oh, how the hell this happened to my car? Dude, you 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 let it happen for 20 years. Right. Oh. And the, thing, the thing with pitching right now is the pitchers are getting better. The pitchers are fucking athletes now. It didn't use to remember it used to the joke the joke used to be that there was, you know, baseball players and then there was pitchers. It was like two separate groups. Jacob DeGrom, I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago, is probably the best athlete on the Mets. He might be the best. He's like he's he's probably top five percent of athletes in baseball he's fast he can hit he plays a fucking shortstop he's like now we have freak athletes pitching and you're giving them the you know all the benefits of the tackified baseball and the mound and the shift and whatever and now they're dominant yeah no shit they're dominant no fucking shit now obviously I don't know if you're following the comments on DeGrom and basically the whole team coming to his defense, Kevin Pillar offering up his salary to check like basically DeGrom is pitching clean, but like, let's take, let's take the goat and, and, you know, remove him from the situation. You look at a guy like Garrett Cole, like Donaldson calls him out. They, they ask him about it, and he essentially, he has learned something from the steroid era, which is don't lie. Lying 
gets you in more trouble than just being like, I took steroids. <laughs> so he doesn't lie and essentially says, this has been going on generations. Of course, I've used that stuff. Of course I have. He says it without saying it, but that's essentially what he says. And we said that last episode before the, that those comments happened. This has been happening forever. Baseball now has an offense problem. It didn't always have an offense problem, even though it always had a pitchers using foreign substances rule, right? So then where in wherein lies the where did the offensive problem start? And that's where we'll go back to, you know, check out dirty slides. Laz and I are on the ban the motherfucking shift. Fix umpiring. Then ban the motherfucking shift. Did you see uh did you see what uh, Nick Castellanos did? No. The other day. Talking about the umps. Oh, yes, I did. It was clearly a ball. Yeah. And he showed him up by straight up walking after he was called out on strikes. But didn't get in trouble, right? Like they didn't did they find him or I mean he wasn't ejected for that. He wasn't ejected. He made it was pretty good acting, making it like, oh, I thought I was walking, man. Yeah. The umps are out of control. I agree. And the umps aren't making like that's fix umpiring and when, the shift. When, when did when did this become a thing? Like, like I'm trying like is this the last five years? No. Wait, this is a now everybody has the strike zone on the screen. But, but when umpires did- have always fucking sucked. But also, and I will argue this. We talk about pitchers getting better, pitchers being more athletic. Jacob DeGrom throwing a hundred, like Jacob DeGrom throwing a hundred for entire games. I just don't think 70 year old Joe West is fucking physically able to call balls and strikes on a hundred mile an hour fucking pitch, bro. You're out of your league. But I think you could name right now. If I asked you, you could probably name. And to me, this is a problem. If I asked you, Joe, name five Major League Baseball umps, name me five NFL refs, and name me five NBA refs. Yeah. yeah. Which um, one? Are, um, uh, yeah, umps are the only ones I could fucking do. That's my and point. Yeah. You're, you're naming Major and, League Baseball umps, and so am I. I. I could name you a couple. I can name you a couple umps, in, or I'm sorry, refs in the other sports. That's about it. I mean, Ed Hockley was known for being Jack. That's what he was known right, for. Right. He wasn't known for his bad calls. Right. He was known for being a 65-year-old lawyer who was ripped. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's an ump show. It's always been. I mean, w- w- you see in all the interactions when any anytime anybody's mic'd up, you see guys getting thrown out for absolutely no all. Basically, it's just, hey, I think you're wrong. It's like, fuck you. You're out of here. It's an ump show. Absolutely. It's one of the major things. Also, like. When in doubt, give the fucking batter a break. We have a bait. Like, it's just so crazy to me that baseball's not like that. Baseball tries to fix so many of these things as it happens. They try to put band-aids on it, but they never go, hey, guys, stop calling knee-high inside fastballs. It's unhittable. It's unhittable. Jacob DeGrom, a hundred miles. Jacob DeGrom goes out every game and throws fastballs for the first inning. The idea that Major League Baseball players, 
the top three guys in a major league baseball lineup, like the Padres go, we have a first inning where he's just going to throw fastballs and they can't get fucking hits is insanity. Yeah. Jacob Grom's like, bro, you don't need a garbage can. It's a fastball guy. Here's another one guy. How would you like a third fastball? There's four. There's five. I'm just going to throw fastballs. He should wear a fucking sign that says first two innings are just fastballs. Hit it. And they can't hit it because he's throwing 100. He's painting the black. Umpires are giving him calls. It's insane. It's impossible to hit these days with the shift, with shitty umpiring, with fucking dip and jack, launch angle, bloop and a bomb. Now, I love great pitching, so I don't give a fuck. But at the same time, don't worry about the, you know, don't worry about maple syrup on somebody's hat. Worry yeah. about the fact that you're letting, you know, four inches off the inside lower part of the plate be a strike. And the fact that, God forbid, you hit it. They've got three guys on that side of the infield. Sure. Be the issue we're talking about. Ban the fuck robot umps. Ban the shift. Leave the baseball the same for a fucking while. Let's go. And then I put want, whatever you want on your put fucking tiger bomb on your ball. I don't care. Yeah, I want I want to vocally announce though, and I'm sure I'm going to jinx him. That uh, don't you dare don't do anything to the Grom. Don't no not it has nothing to do with Grom. Okay, thank it's, God. It's 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 my team. I just want to say right now, and this guy talk about not getting love. He's not getting enough love right now. The National League MVP is Jesse Winker. Right now, the National League MVP is Jacob Degrom, bro. He's having a once in a millennium pitching performance. What are you talking about? Winker, baby. Second in, second in average, second in home runs, third in hits. Come on. Hold on. I, want, I just want to pull it up because I just want to see where we're at. Uh, Jesse Winker has a 2.1 war playing all game, 17 home runs, 346 batting average. Jacob DeGrom has a 3.3 war in nine starts. I love it. Good for Winker. And he, like, you know, if he wasn't going against the fucking greatest pitching performance since Bob Gibson was throwing a sock ball at people. Jesse Winker, baby, which I will double, triple down on saying best gay porn name ever. Jesse Winker. That's a great gay porn star name. Jesse Winker. Oh, man. You see Winker? He was really a great power bottom in that movie. How about my Reds? They have the top two guys in Major League Baseball on average, and they're a game below 500. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Welcome to the life of a Cincinnati Reds fan. I am sort of circling, Andy. I'm sort of, it's, you know, I'm helicoptering. It's a lot of, lot of moving parts here. A lot of things need to come together. But I am circling a potential Mets at Reds visit. I don't think the last time I went to Mets, Mets Reds in Cincinnati might have been the night that I uh, had relations with a woman relations who, relations with a woman who was then deemed the Terminator from my friend Chad Cutter. Hilarious, classic, dirty sports story. Okay, dirt balls. I want to hear from you. And we have a hotline 310-359-8365. Give us a ring. We're going to get to some calls. We're going to start off with an old school dirtball. You and I have both met fat Jason kid. Met him. 
I named him. <laughs> Not only did you name him, he looks nothing like Jason Kidd. Nothing. That's great. Nothing. He looks like a fat Jason Kidd. Not. <laughs> It's really, be- just the, really, it's really just the, uh, you know, dark skin, light eyes. No, you just named a biracial. Basically, it's just a biracial. I don't even know if he's biracial. He's biracial. I haven't oh, asked him. He's yeah. biracial. He looks okay. biracial. Okay. Fat Jason Kid, DM me. Are you biracial? It's fine either way. I don't care. I, yeah, I don't my, care. My name was not based on race. My name was based on dark skin, light eyes. Fat Jason Kid. When I, when I turned around and I saw these eyes beaming at me <laughs> in San Francisco. So, well, I will never forget look, those look eyes. Look at fat Jason kids staring me down. And then I saw his t-shirt and I said, oh, it's a dirt ball. He's, he's a dirt ball. And your brother was concerned. That was the best part. Okay. Fat Jason kid gives us a call, which is not sports related, but I will say is a hilarious call in my opinion. And I'm assuming he was under some sort of influence. I'm hoping it was cannabis because this is such an out there call. Only would someone being stoned present such a question. Hey, Joe and Andy, it's uh, Fat Jason Kidd here calling from Iowa. And I have the question, what condiment would you most like to be submerged in a dunk tank style, like submersion into for me, I think it would be ranch because it seems like it'd be the, le- the least sticky. And I kind of take that into effect of just like getting it out of my hair and stuff like that. But if we're just talking about pure flavor, I think sweet and sour would be pretty good. Thanks. All right. So we're in a dunk tank, but it's not water. It's some sort of condiment. Right. What do we want to be submerged in? Great question, Fat Jason Kid. I'm going through a list of condiments here because I have a couple of I have a couple of questions. I'm gonna give one answer and then I'll give another answer, kind of depending. They're all gonna be sticky for the record. I don't I don't know why he thought like oh soy sauce. I, you know I, I I do I do love me some soy sauce. I love me some heavy sodium soy sauce. Soy sauce, um, I, I couldn't do. I could do soy sauce. I mean, could I do it? I don't know. I bet. Yeah, I'd probably die. But like, so I don't want anything. I don't want anything thick that thick. Right. Sure. I don't want anything that spicy. I don't want to be in sriracha. That seems weird. So I'm going to go with like soy sauce or like he said, like a sweet and sour, although like a sticky, like a like a Polynesian sauce from uh, Chick-fil-A. But then my other question, I guess, is this. Is pickles a condiment? Like, could I be in pickle juice? Could I, I be I in think, a vat of pickles? I, I no, I don't. I I think you're stretching it. Okay. My answers are soy sauce, South Polynesian sauce from Chick Fil A, and pickles if they qualify. Would Tabasco sauce be too hot? Yeah, Tabasco sauce would fuck you up, dog. If you closed your eyes when you went when you were submerged, I feel like it would. Really? I don't know. I guess we could try it. Because like I don't think Tabasco. I think there's a there's just so many hot sauces out there now. Like to me, it's like Tabasco isn't that hot. You know what sauce I tried? Worcestershire. Could also get in some Worcestershire sauce. What about a one steak sauce? Yeah, 
thick, almost like um, like but, that was. But that's not that. That's not that thick. No, but it's not as thin as Worcestershire. I'm gonna go with Worcestershire over A1. You know what condiment? I do love A1 though. You know what condiment Trader Joe's has now? It's called Trader. What? Pickles? No, it's called Trader Joe's Magnificent Sauce. Okay. Like they don't even tell you what it is. It's basically uh, Thousand Island. Yeah. It's basically everybody just takes Thousand Island as like secret sauce. It's basically (laughs) what you're putting on In and Out or a Big Mac. Ketchup and mayonnaise together. But but see, the marketing is brilliant. Yeah. Because I've bought it now twice. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm eating a burger. Oh, I'm eating fries. Got to put the magnificent sauce on it. I agree with your take on the thickness. You don't want a mayonnaise. You don't want. I don't think you could survive a mayonnaise. Could you survive in ketchup or mustard? I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not even picking those in, in relation to like a soy sauce, Worcestershire polynesian sauce so i'd probably take the a1 sauce the a1 steak sauce okay now would you rather be dunked in ranch or blue cheese blue cheese for for life would you rather be dunked in boneless or bone in wings suddenly boneless is looking real good people yeah really is here Okay, let's let's get an update from a uh, a Packers fan. Let's let's see what's going on in their head right now with the current situation. Hey, Joe and Andy, uh, Stephen, number one dirt baller calling from South Bend, Indiana. Uh, I just want to say uh, I'm a Packers fan, been one my whole entire life, and this whole Aaron Rodgers situation it kind of makes me nervous, like. I love him as a quarterback. I don't want to lose him, but it just makes it seem like if he's doing this now and he has problems a little bit, what's saying he's not going to do this again next year, three, four years down the line once things don't go his way anymore. Just kind of curious to see what you guys think about that. What what would you guys think or your guys' take be on it if this were a quarterback for your team? What would you feel he should do or what would you want him to do? Thanks. Stay dirty. You know, I have a theory on this real quick. Okay. I hate to say it, and you're probably not going to like it or agree. Is Aaron Rodgers kind of turning into the Brett Favre situation all over again? Where, like, we go in, there's so much ambiguity on is he playing, where is he going? Well, I don't don't disagree with you there, but I I also think that this is – you know, this is a problem the Packers have caused for themselves by letting this happen for the Brett Favre years and Aaron Rodgers being a part of that. And Aaron Rodgers being like, oh, you guys didn't give a fuck when it was me. So why do I, I, I got to suddenly start caring about Jordan Love's feelings. I got to start caring about like I was here ready to play and you guys let the team be held hostage. So like, you know, it like in a way, I would say that they manifested this situation for themselves. So I do agree with you in that sense, but I think to answer his question is like, we're not the, the public, um, the public, you know, question marks or statements that have come from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers is very small. We still, you know, we, we can guess and we can, you know, 
we can, you know, use, uh, you know, use our brains to be like, oh, this is what he's upset about. But we haven't heard directly from either the team or him, like, what is the holdup? You know, what is the issue? Well, did you see what Greg Jennings said? No. He's claiming it's just the GM. He just hates the GM. He's on record, Greg Jennings, saying, like, I've talked to Aaron. We're boys. It's just the GM. He just wants the GM out. Correct. According to Greg Jennings. And that's obviously because the GM didn't give him the things that he wanted. He, he drafted a quarterback. He didn't. He, he, he refuses to draft a weapon for him. And listen, it's the player, empower, player empowerment era. But I will say this. is like, I'm sorry on that. I, I got to stand corrected. James Jones. Okay. Not, not Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings. Yeah. I, I, I always want to go there because, uh, yeah. Put the team on his back, though. So cor- uh, according to James Jones, real quick, before you say your piece. Yeah. He said this week on the herd with Colin Cowherd, and, and I quote, I've talked to Aaron. He told me it's not about the GM. He's willing to go in there and make this thing right. Oh, so I'm 100% wrong. Wait, what? Yeah, sorry. Okay. I, I, I literally just said everything wrong. I thought I read so, it. So we go back. So yeah, you got the player wrong and the statement wrong. Jesus. I'll um, just I'll just I'll just tap out right now. So we go back to the question of like what is the re- what's the real hold up here? Now we can use our brains and say like they didn't give him a weapon, they drafted the you know, they haven't drafted him a first round offensive player. Uh, the only first round offense player they've drafted since he's been there is a quarterback that's, you know, possibly going to be his replacement, blah, blah, blah. The, the issue is, unfortunately, so many of these guys are judged on their legacy of Super Bowls and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's been in two NFC championship games. He was, he's the reigning MVP. I have a feeling Aaron Rodgers is just saying we are also are not going to be champions again next year. And it's because you guys haven't done a good job. I'm here winning MVPs. You're not surrounding me with the talent I need. And how dare you go out and get another fucking quarterback. And I want more say in what's happening. Cause I am more responsible for this team's success than any single other one person here. And that's that. And like, listen, is it how you want your quarterback to act? No, but is it, but is it understandable how he's acting? Yes. So it's tough. It's tough. I would say that the Packers best chance of winning a Super Bowl in the next 10 years is to make Aaron Rodgers happy and give him the players he wants. Do you think they have a better or worse chance of winning a Super Bowl in 10 years by saying, Fuck it. Let's get what we can get for Aaron Rodgers and build around Jordan Love. I, I think their best chance is right now with Aaron Rodgers. The question is, can this situation be fixed? Right? Yeah. Because sometimes you got a guy, you know, I don't care the job you have. You got a guy going in who's unhappy where he works. It's it, not that he can't do it, but it is very hard to put that aside and just play on the field. It is, it is not easy to basically 
throw everything else out and just say, okay, I hate this place. I hate the GM or I hate the coach or whatever it is. But if he, if he, if that's where he's at, then that that's, I feel like that's what we'd be hearing. I'm just not going to play for this team anymore. Why wouldn't he just say it? I'm just not going to, I'm not, I don't want to be a Packer anymore. Has he said that? He hasn't said that? No. I think he's trying to wrangle control and I don't disagree with him. And I think that the answer is if he didn't want to be a Packer. Yeah, absolutely. I think you should say, I mean, I don't think you can, I don't know the rules with that. I don't know, whatever. I know Deshaun, I know the leaks are Deshaun Watson's now saying he wants to be a Bronco and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know what you can say and what you can't say. It's tough because Aaron Rodgers is just so fucking good. And if you're a Packers fan, you've got to know that your window is with Aaron Rodgers, right? Sure. Yeah. You can't just say like, Oh, I think, you know, Jordan love, maybe Jordan love is the Aaron Rodgers of to Brett Favre. And he's going to come in and be just as good. It's like you had one Favre Super Bowl, You have one Rogers Super Bowl. The idea that Rogers has the career he's had and has one Super Bowl appearance is crazy. So do what you got to do to give the guy who's pretty much responsible for the last 12 years of success, whatever he wants or fucking get rid of him. Yeah. The only wrong decision is trying to do what they're doing, which is like, not give him control, not give him what he wants, but not let him leave. It's like we're stuck in no man's land. Yeah. So pick a lane. I think the lane is give Aaron Rodgers what he wants and be like, we're all in on your fucking plan for three years. What do you want? We, we missed on Julio Jones. What, 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 what do what can we, what can we do right now to make you happy? We fucked up. We drafted Jordan love. We fucked up. We didn't give you any first round offensive players give you two years three years what do you want or hey we're not we're the packers we're bigger than any single man go to the fucking broncos peace i think there's just too many egos this is what this reeks for me just a just a guess you got too many egos involved and people don't want to budge and they don't want to compromise and what's the end goal because the end goal should be winning a super bowl and you've been that close for two years now you're right there you got the reigning mvp you're right there you got to try to make it work. You have to put differences aside or egos. All that has to be thrown to the side if you want to win a Super Bowl because that's the goal. And that and that's the only goal of the Packers fans. This is a storied franchise. This is Green Bay. This is Lambeau. Cheeseheads. You have to put that aside if you want to try to win a Super Bowl. And I totally agree with you. Your window, you don't know what you're getting with your next QB. You know what you're getting with Aaron Rodgers. You're getting a shot to win a Super Bowl every year, every year, because he's that good. So you have to try to make this work. Somebody should just point blank say to Aaron, Aaron, can we make this work? If not, cool. Then we'll go our separate ways. Right. But can we salvage this relationship? Absolutely. All right. Let's do one more call. Let's do it. Let's do. Uh, let's do a quick hitter. This this is a this is just a kind of fun one. What's up, guys? It's Joey from Minnesota. I was just listening to episode 730 where Andy said he misses the savage days of poisoning his body with alcohol. 
And this made me laugh because a few weeks ago I was listening to the newest episode and I accidentally hit that slow down button on Apple Podcasts. It was hilarious. It made you guys sound like Kobe came down from heaven for another shot challenge. Um, but if you want to relive your days on the booze, go listen to yourself on half speed. It's the <laughs> button in the bottom left corner on Apple Podcasts. Uh, stay dirty. Condoms are for anyone that doesn't listen to my podcast. It's called Joey Hates Everything on Spotify. I love you guys. Bye. Oh, quick plug at the end. I like Joey it. Hates Everything. Everybody give Joey Hates Everything a listen. I like a, the name. I love the title. A quick plug at the end. Um, I want to clarify. Like, I don't miss out. Like, there's, I don't know what I had said. There's times where like, oh, it'd be nice to get drunk. But like, those are very flirting for me. They're not, they're not that often. I, I've said it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Don't worry about it. What's that? Don't worry about it. Keep going. What'd you say? Nothing. Did I misspeak? Yeah, that's right though. What'd I say? You said very flirting for me. Yeah. Like it's a, like, is that, is that inappropriately used there? Fleeting? Is that what you meant? Yeah, that's what I meant. Hey, let's bring it back. Ruther, uh, what do we call it? Rutherisms. Rutherisms. Total Rutherism there. Yeah, it's very fleeting for me, not flirting. Um, thank God for edibles and cannabis. But um, I couldn't handle I couldn't handle booze. So it was it was it was it was listen to yourself on one half speed. It was it was it was four the better i i am speaking of edibles i'm putting a crew together for that dead and company <laughs> yeah bro and i love that it's on saturday 9 11 yeah bro i mean can you ask for anything more and you know i'm wearing the tie-dye bill walton shirt to that concert you have to you have to and you should also <laughs> wear a gigantic like three foot tall uncle sam hat you know, just get that, get the full 9-11 America vibes. <laughs> what? Talk about a combo. Yeah. The Uncle Sam hat and a tie-dye shirt. I, I was, I was, I was telling a buddy about it and I was like, I was like, you want to go? And he's like, yeah, I'm not the biggest grateful day, but he goes, he goes, you know, what's great about them. I don't, you don't have to be those concerts are great. We'll just get all stoned. Like that's just an experience. Good little people watching. And, he, and he's like, so like, how much are tickets? I go, bro, we're sitting in the lawn. Like, like we're not, you know, cause it's that type of venue. It's outdoor. I go, we're not doing the, the, the first few thousand seats that are seats. I want to be with the people, man. So if you have a call or a question, 310-359-8365. And also if you had a call and I didn't play it, most likely Joe and I have already discussed it. I, I just want people to know that I'm not like purposely not including you, but We've done the show so many times that like, I'll, we'll get, you, you know, this Joe, and like, I'll text you a lot. Of times. How like, did get, you guys meet? What's your, like, like best sports event rappers. Yeah. Best sports Who's event. Your all time baseball lineup. Worst sports event. Best sports event. Like those, those type of questions we have done many times. So, uh, that's why I like the, the uniqueness of fat chasing kids question. No one's ever asked us what condiment we'd be submerged in a dunk tank. Um, that's it for my end. What about you? Uh, new dirty slides is out. Like I said, we go in depth on the pictures thing. We talk, uh, we talk a lot of different stuff. So uh, check out the new dirty slides. Um, I am on all social media at Joe Prano. 
uh, except for Twitter. I'm at Fix Your Life. Uh, a couple shows coming up here in LA. A potential New York trip on the horizon in July. Keep your eye out for those dates. And uh, Andy, I'm not even going to talk about the where and the when, but I told you before the show, I've, I'm I'm circling, I'm hovering a potential, potentially dropping a dirtball meetup uh, idea on you. Yeah, you are on the gang, on the gang, gang. So if you've been asking about dirtball meetup, you know, keep your fall open. I got some ideas floating. Something could be one of the best ones yet, but we're too early, too early to pull the trigger on getting you guys rallied around it. Yeah. I might need to get my passport for this one (laughs) or will I? All right, guys, that's the show. You actually can follow me if you want on anything, Andy Ruther. I could not tell you last time I actually tried to plug my social media because I'm like, what is? Uh, yeah, rate review on iTunes. Drop me an email if you don't have Twitter or Instagram to leave your handle. Andy Ruther, four or five at gmail.com. Okay, that is the show. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe, be merry, and as always, stay dirty.